Hello, good morning, and welcome. It's Tuesday, the 24th of March, 2020, and we're back with episode 145. Before getting started, though, um, just a quick shout out in the form of an apology to Andy Schultz, if you're listening. Uh, Andy and I had tried recording an episode with him to be published today, but that's not happening because, well, 30 minutes trying to record the episode yesterday resulted in complete failure. It turns out that everybody working from home is really taking a burden on internet capacity. So here's the thing. Recording my own episodes alone without a guest, that's not a problem. I just record the entire episode locally and then I upload it. No big deal. But if I'm trying to have a conversation with a guest live and there's any sort of delay or cutout entirely, obviously, it makes it all but impossible to hold an ongoing conversation. And that's, of course, exactly what happened with Andy. What's crazy is that this isn't just affecting our wired internet connection here at our house. In this case, it's Comcast cable modem, which to their credit usually works pretty well. Um, But shockingly and totally inexplicably, it's also affected plan B for me, which is to simply tether to my iPhone. Uh, I've got really fantastic AT&T wireless usually here at the house and everywhere else really. Um, But it's been rendered almost completely useless as well, which is at best, a nuisance, and at worst, rather alarming. In any event, um, I was therefore quite concerned about um, the other guest that we had scheduled for today, which I'm pleased to say you will be able to listen to, because that managed to work. Although, with respect to Andy, just barely. We had a few scares, we had a few technical glitches that I was able to mercifully edit out. Um, I feel like we just got through by the skin of our teeth. In any event, um, we'll dive into that in just a moment. Uh, First things first, if you are a fan of this podcast, please don't forget to leave me five stars on Apple Podcasts uh, and otherwise subscribe wherever you listen. Um, All right, then. Why don't we get started? We've got a fantastic conversation today with Tal Cohen. Uh, He's coming at us from Tel Aviv, uh, where he heads up Drive TLV. It's effectively a technology accelerator, uh, specifically with a focus on all things autonomous vehicles, and mobility more broadly. Um, I'll leave the rest of the introduction to Tal himself. Uh, It's a really fascinating discussion, albeit an unfortunately rather abbreviated one. We We had a very hard stop at just 30 minutes, so we tried to cram in as much as we could get done. But as I mentioned to Tal, hopefully we'll get to have him back here on the podcast in the near future, not to mention any one or several of the companies within the Drive Accelerator program. So without further more to say about that, hope you're sitting back comfortably. Episode 145 with Tal Cohen, Drive TLV Israel begins now. Hey, real quick, if you're a company in the autonomous vehicle or mobility space, and if you're looking for an amazing new PR firm, then I'd like to introduce you to the good folks over at Scott Fosgard Communications. So you know how it is with most PR agencies, right? You spend a ton of money throwing it away every month. You kind of sit there with your fingers crossed, praying and wishing for something to happen, and then it usually doesn't. And even if it does happen, chances are, well, most agencies aren't singularly focused on the AV and mobility space. Well, that's what makes Scott and his team so genuinely, truly unique in the world. You see, Scott and his team have spent their entire careers developing the relationships needed to reach just that perfect target audience 
for those of you in the AVM ability space, they've they've worked directly for the likes of GM, for Ford, for Chrysler, for their suppliers. In fact, if you think back a few episodes, um, you might remember I had a guest on the show, Alex Thibault. He was from a company called Vulog. Well, Vulog is one of their clients. They've also worked with the likes of Fortelix, Delphi Technologies, Lunawave, Mability, Phantom Auto. I could keep going and going, but you get the idea. Anyway, look, definitely be sure to check them out over at scottfosgard.com. That's S-C-O-T-T-F-O-S-G-A-R-D. Or better yet, why don't you just shoot me a note? You can reach me on LinkedIn, on Twitter, by email, and I'm more than happy to do a personal introduction for you. Three, two, one, and we're live. Tal, thank you so much for joining us all the way from Tel Aviv. How are you doing out there? In fact, I realize that question is a bit silly, a bit ridiculous in light of everything happening in the world, so I mean it rather more sincerely. How are you all doing out there? First, uh, thanks very much. A pleasure to be with you. Uh, no, we are doing well, uh, as much as you can do well in these crazy times. Yeah, seriously. How, how are well, you? Well, look, yeah, we're we're good. You know, uh, I mean, my wife and I were here working from home, like pretty much everybody else. Um, you know, the barrier is just taking it one day at a time. I guess it's the best we can do. But I still maintain, if there's any silver lining, I think this will bring the world together and bring out the best in humanity in a way that's never been done before. So fingers crossed for that. Let's hope so. Yeah. Well, look, with respect for your time, I know you've got a hard stop in about, let's see, 29 minutes or so. Um, Why don't we just dive in? I'd love to get a bit about your background and learn as much as possible about what you guys are up to, because frankly, I'm pretty fascinated and I would love to learn all the things. Sure. So, you know, Tel Aviv is a a fantastic place for startups. Israel is a fantastic place for startups in the for the past five, six years, it's been a, an amazing place for uh, startups that are uh, contributing to this uh, amazingly evolving transportation world. Uh, my background, my personal background is actually I spent many years in uh, in the States, even though I'm a, I was born and raised in, uh, in Israel. I spent many years in Atlanta, uh, Georgia, uh, doing startups. Uh, there, as well as being a faculty and a student in uh, a place called Georgia Tech. So, so I have, a, I have a, I'm really, uh, you know, uh, living both worlds, both in the U.S. and in Israel. And um, you know, there's a fantastic spread of smart people, great people all across the globe. The thing that happens in Israel is simply um, everybody is very motivated and uh, honed towards making entrepreneurs careers and startups happens together with infrastructure that you have from the military perspective. It's become a a big machine for uh, startups, uh, anywhere from software to hardware software and all these uh, combinations is is really fantastic hotbed, particularly in the the mobility world. Uh, So we've created a concept called Drive in Israel. And what Drive means is basically a collaboration platform between a, a large corporation in transportation in the transportation field and the Israeli market in the Israeli startups market basically um, you know in order to you know it sounds uh, you know in these days it sounds kind of weird to say but to accelerate the collaboration uh, we find that uh, having an, an organization and have few of those large organizations under one umbrella and uh, be a, a trusted advisor to both sides 
really makes things happen in terms of uh, uh, making the uh, commercial relationship between those startups and the and the corporates are uh, you know become something that is uh, easier to get, even though it's a tough to begin with. So, just real quick, do you guys also have any sort of collaborations with, say, individual municipalities throughout the country or elsewhere besides? Former relationship we have with our with our partners, with the you know with our large corporation. We we don't have under the formal umbrella of drive a relationship with the you know let's say you know the city of Atlanta or you know Greenville, South Carolina or, or you know Palo Alto, but we do have a lot of relationship from you know from Las Vegas to Jacksonville to DC to Atlanta by which we help our uh, startups uh, basically collaborate with the, the U.S. cities as well. Got it. Yeah, it makes sense. The reason I was asking, and perhaps we can loop back to this uh, a bit later in this discussion, is because I think, well, you know, obviously it looks like you guys have done a lot of really incredible work with up and coming technology companies in the autonomous vehicle and mobility space generally. Obviously, that's how we got introduced. That's why we're talking. Um, and just as an aside, my thought has always been that in order to best expedite development of these technologies, it's not sufficient merely to have the tech, but rather that you have. And this sounds sort of obvious to the point of being silly to state it explicitly, but you need to have a proper avenue, pun not intended, to get the tech to market. And in the absence, I would think, of any proper municipal relationships, we're going to have a lot of trouble with that, right? So, but we can, let's come back to that in a moment. I want to understand the actual structure of of how Drive actually operates. My understanding is you are actually an on-site accelerator. You have a you have a campus and you've got an outside sort of fund which has injected uh, I guess some additional capital into you guys and you're basically growing. Is that the idea? That's correct. I mean, what you have is a you have an operation that is the so to speak the commercialization platform by which we take early stage technologies and uh, even up to later stage companies and we help them commercialize through basically honing their solutions, understanding their value proposition, uh, even altering it, uh, and tweaking their products and technologies. And at the same time, what we do, we work with our partners to adopt these te- their technologies because the challenge is really incumbent to both sides. You know, not only the you know the the raw talent or the product or the uniqueness is what need to be molded to fit the needs. But also the sides of the of the corporates has to understand what's the best way, safe way, a quick way to onboard these technologies from a you know from a concept to POC through commercialization to the end product. You know, it's not a just regular relationship that you have like you know the OEM has with the tier ones or the tier twos or the classical structure way. There's something special has to be done. In order to make this thing happen, so we kind of work work both ways. So this is the drive side. And now, in order to, so to speak, help jumpstart the earlier companies, what we do, we basically uh, create a fund. We created a fund called Next Gear Ventures, and Next Gear is a small fund that uh, most of the partners in this fund are are they basically our partners uh, from Drive. So there's a uh, some sort of correlation between. Uh, between the uh, uh, you know the companies that are a, a partners in Drive and, and also in the fund, but it are two different entities, so you can participate either in Drive or in the fund or in both. Okay, 
So, so what is Fastlane then? How does that tie into all this? Because I'm trying to figure, I'm trying to understand like kind of a structural hierarchy here. So you've, there, there's the fund, there's next, uh, next gear ventures, there's drive, which invests into drive TLV. And then I think Fastlane is kind of a subset of that. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. That's correct. So basically what Drive is, Drive is really a, a, a big machine that has several uh, programs and operations in order to, if you can imagine, a uh, almost like a funnel, okay? You have hundreds of startups in Israel that are somehow related to or touching the mobility area from really pure mobility to tangential, anywhere from drones to energy, uh, EV, you name it, hundreds of those. So uh, and, and so in order to kind of digest those these numbers and understand the quality, understand the stage, understand the relevancy, we have like a funnel. And towards the end of the funnel, are, are the startups, what we call the, the fast lane startups. These are the startups that are us and our partners are selecting very carefully in order to focus our effort on, in order to move them into commercialization within, within our partners. So basically, fast lane is some sort of a manifestation of the end of our, so to speak, the, 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 the tip of the, of the funnel where the top startups that are relevant to our partners are kind of being selected and pushed with us and our partners to achieve the goal, which is commercial relationship between between the startups and the partners. I see. Interesting. Okay. So, so yeah, let's talk about that relationship, how it works. So one of the things that I found really interesting about the AV space generally is that there's been a lot of, well, a lot of necessary collaboration as between sort of, let's say, large OEMs and indeed a lot of these small up-and-coming tech companies. So obvious examples that come to mind are, say, GM and Cruise, uh, Hyundai and Aptiv, Ford and Argo AI, and so on. And I guess the logic is pretty simple. It's pretty pretty obvious, I guess, in retrospect. Large OEMs have the resources, the technology, the manufacturing, I should say, um, but not necessarily the AV expertise and obviously vice versa for these small tech companies. So is this sort of a collaboration, the kind of the obvious momentum with which a lot of your uh, companies tend to follow? So that's a very good question. I think that uh, I think it's it's like uh, I think initially I would say the collaboration you mentioned belonged to the how should I put it the earlier era of collaboration between you know the the classical OEM and the and the startups and then mostly the, the thing that are characterizing them is exactly like you mentioned with the fact that the, those large organizations understand that they mainly need strong brains, strong software brains that are mostly, you know, are hinging, hinging on uh, AI mechanism and understanding of creating of these autonomous agents. And I think those, these are, in, you know, encompassing very big investments, very big collaboration. As you mentioned, it was, you know, you know the, the U.S. players with those startups, it's, uh, you know, one of our partners is Volvo Cars that uh, uh, spun off a, a company together with the other partners in Sweden called Zenuity, which mostly represent the same type of attributes, which is 
large corporation that is expert in understanding how to basically make a car, enriched by a, a software-heavy AI-based, you know, uh, so to speak, nerve center to um, to com- compensate for whatever is missing on the autonomous side. So that was the first stage of, of so to speak, maturity into the autonomous world. Second stage, by which we are, I believe we are right in this stage right now, is it's extremely kind of characterizing by more understanding of, okay, we've done that. We have a check mark. Now we can, we have an AI agent, agent that we have some autonomous capability. But what is really missing? What are the final or, or, the, or, the, or the supplemental touches that are really tough not to crack in order to achieve full autonomous capability? So you know, I know, you know. For example, and, and I give, you, I can give you an example. You know what the the whole issue about guaranteeing or guaranteeing a, a, a accident, no accident happens, or some measure of safety in autonomous driving. Okay. So right now, what we have now basically in, in the market is like the brute force. So we have, you know, uh, a, the the agent by Wemo or, or by or Argo, but it doesn't matter who. Basically covering millions of miles between cities or or simulating those uh, miles or driving it in driving range and basically try to figure out where's where are the agents are you know failing or do what they're doing right where, where they might fail and then we can fix that okay well it, it might work but it may take a really long time to get to some sorts of uh, the definition of what is safe ride you know basically how much how many miles should I ride? Should I write 90 million miles, 900 miles, you know, to achieve some level of safety? So here, for example, is a software definition of safety where you may involve a technology that comes from Israel, that came from Drive, for a company called, for example, Fortelix. And what Fortelix is doing is basically bringing some dealing with understanding of uncertainty from really large number of scenarios, like, like autonomous driving, but borrowing it from the area of uh, testing for electronic chips. So the, what we achieved in the first stage of autonomous is 80, maybe up to 90% of the capability. And some of the not, toughest not to crack are the last you know, 10, 5, 10%. The, the, these are new technologies that we see now coming up the pipeline from Israel to help the autonomous world. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, it makes sense. I mean, and, and actually what you're talking about reminds me of a thing that I've said for quite some time, which is that Part of the difficulty is indeed ensuring a set of standards so that we know kind of what actually qualifies and what does not, because you're right, even if a thing works, the question is, does it work well enough? And I think in the absence of a set of standards, you just end up having this ridiculous back and forth debate, for instance, LIDAR versus cameras. And I always say, who cares? (laughs) As long as they're both, you know, at least as long as one of them are at least good enough based on some predefined standard, then that's sufficient. And I think to the extent that this can be established sooner rather than later. That's going to be a huge, huge... No, I, I, this is exactly the point. I mean, and here's just to piggyback on your uh, example, would be LiDAR, would be radar. So the first stage was, hey, you know, okay, now we need also the, the sensors and selection of sensors. But wait a minute. Let's say we have the sensors. It, this thing has to work for real, in real life, in every scenario, every weather, every lightning, every side of type of light. So... This type of idea, the, the sign of maturity, that now is the time to design the actual cleaner for this particular 
LiDAR because otherwise it doesn't matter how good is the LiDAR if there's a fog on it or if there's some sort of mud on it it's not going to work so you know how can we come up with a device that actually cleans this thing so there's another technology that comes from drive that help our partners and help the world so this is exactly the type of maturity that we see now coming to the autonomous world from from the Israeli technology startups hear that believe it or not summer is just around the corner Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Okay, so let me, uh, having spent the last decade or so, uh, in tech startups um, and all the joy and misery that comes with it, <laughs> I have to ask a rather mechanical question. I mean, the general rule is for, yeah. you know, for investment is of course, you know, either users or revenue or optimally both. I mean, here we're talking about a lot of technology companies, which understandably don't really have either of those two metrics yet uh, in many cases. So can you maybe shed some light on absent those two metrics? What what is you know what are the metrics that you look for? So this is a very good question, and this is why you know part of the reason why we have this ecosystem that we built in Israel in Drive and, and Exgear Ventures. It, so and 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 coupled with the fact that our tendency is to invest early, which means that you're absolutely right. You may have ideas, you may have some sorts of uh, you know capability or understanding of the market, but you definitely don't have product, and you very likely don't have any uh, revenue that are associated with this particular value proposition for this vision of yours, okay? So our the way we look at things is kind of close the gap. So bring together our partners and the market to the startups and see and follow the, and leave the interaction. So we have, you know, we have a, we have a physical location, we are bringing startups to our partners. Our partners are coming to drive as well very frequently. So what you have, you have a situation by which both sides can examine the needs and the capability. And we basically sit together so we can uh, evaluate the quality of the entrepreneur, which is the number one criteria for us on the long term, both from business acumen, personal relationship, cohesiveness of the team, as well as understanding of how they listen how they adopt from feedback they get from the market. So we examine that across some time. So we get some, these platforms, it is bringing tremendous value to the entrepreneurs, bringing tremendous value to our partners, but also from an investment perspective, we bring tremendous value to us because we're basically touching the most fundamental risks that early stage startups have. So, you know, the number one risk are is the team. You know, the what is missing from the team, what the team has, what the team doesn't have. And, um, you know, beyond that, you look at, uh, you know, the understanding of this, how the, or the capability to address these technology gaps. What do they coming with them? What they are missing? And if they have it, how, how easy is that or difficult to implement? So, uh, and obviously the biggest one is the actual market unknown, which include the competition, you know, the exact, who, is the, who are the customers? What, how this thing is going to be adopted? Is it going to be part of a larger system or... Is it independent? How quickly the solution can be tested? And so on and so forth. So all these issues have some sorts of answers in, in this one level of completion or another as we make the investment. Okay, And then you have to also make the investment in a smart way, which is 
uh, in a way that you know you can build this investment as, as a level of confidence you have in terms of KPI, in terms of prog- progress, and so on and so forth, to reduce all those risks about. And and I understand it makes clear sense that obviously the companies within Drive have an easy, shall we say, outbound channel to find potential partners. Um, how about the reverse? Is is it relative? Is there a relatively obvious, uh, shall we say, inbound channel for other companies to discover? partners within Drive? We are, you know, what's nice about the setup is that uh, we, are, we are very open and clear of what we do, okay? And um, and I think that our agenda is to help, okay? We are, you know, we are there for uh, for the Israeli startups to find as quickly as possible if there is or to what extent their solution is addressing a real need in the market. So that's one, one way. And then on the flip side of that, you know, we have many corporates coming to us among our partners, but not only our partners. We have many other large corporations that are visiting Drive, uh, you know, not necessarily, even, not necessarily from pure uh, mobility or automotive, consumer goods, retail, insurance, banking, anybody that has any tangential needs into mobility, fleet management, and so on and so forth, that are looking for some sort of understanding how to integrate you know, their innovation into Israeli mobility startup. So we kind of help both sides and, and even the variety of, of, of the of the type of startups that are not necessarily coming from mobility. There are many Israeli startups, by the way, that are coming from different type of technology, you know, that are from vision technology that coming to ask us, hey, you know, we know that vision and coming from the medical fields, for example, you know, and they're coming to ask us, look, we have this, this, and this unique technology. Can it be applied to mobility? What what type of competitive advantage could we gain? That's on the startup side, and on the flip side of that, we have you know large corporation from you know from the energy side towards you know even from coming from governmental entities that are looking for some capability or collaboration, and um, you know we, we help them find that. Yeah. So so what, and what can you tell me about um, the infrastructure that makes Tel Aviv so unique? Because I remember back at CES 2019, I met with the Innoviz team, and you know it just seems like every other day there's an amazing technology coming company coming out in the AV space. There's just so much going on, and I just wonder, um, you know, what can the rest of the world learn, frankly? Like, because again, going back to the issue of having the technology but not yet having the proper way to deploy it due to municipal, you know, roadblocks, so to speak, or otherwise. I mean, that that is still the really big challenge, right? But 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 what's happening in Israel is astounding in, in this particular space. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So, look, it's a symbiotic relationship. I mean, you know, Israeli technology companies really need the outside world because there's no, you know, so to speak, there's no GM or there's no Toyota in Israel, you know. But but in terms of the ideas, the entrepreneurs, the technologies, the capabilities, I really believe, you know, knowing very well and appreciating very highly, you know, places, you know, hubs, across the U.S. and particularly the, the West Coast, Israel is very rich in deep technology, a very rich in hardware-software combination of, of ideas and expertise, okay, in AI expertise. Um, 
that are acquired both in the universities, but mostly in the army, in the military uh, units, particularly the intelligent units. Uh, and well, these guys are coming out of the of their service after you know five, ten years doing impossible missions, uh, coming out very um, uh, eager, uh, very motivated, and also have the right infrastructure in term in terms of. A network uh, in terms of mentorship, uh, all really aligned towards this goal. Uh, so what we see is basically generation after generation of really strong entrepreneurs that are, you see the pipeline, you see companies that are, you know, like the Waze, like the Mobileye, and, and behind them, you see the Argos, you know, and behind them, you know, you see companies that are, you know, Tri-Eye and the uh, uh, more and more companies that are basically have this create this legacy and capability in type of technologies, almost like similar to legacies you see in big universities running under some professors and, and, and research that attract strong students, that attract a, a strong professors. So what you have here is the same phenomena. Tel Aviv is, is, is really becoming a hotbed for this type of entrepreneurs and experts to, to elect, pushing this critical mass to generate some sorts of renaissance for this autonomous technology. Now, uh, as uh, you know, as the we you know uh, we crossing this type of era by which you know, we have you know, challenges, crisis, uh, you know that how this market uh, responds to that remain to be seen. But you know the talent is here. It's looking for you know the better articulation of the challenges. What now kind of thing? And I believe that. You know, the next few months are going to be very interesting to see how how this thing are being adjusted. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this will be a pretty interesting experiment, for lack of a better word, for the entire market, of course. Um, I guess in the five minutes we have left, um, I'd love to kind of open it up to you. Are there any particular companies you'd like to call out and mention and briefly discuss here? The whole system, in other words, from smart city, infrastructures, autonomous data, the transfer of data. The whole uh, ecosystem is such a rich, challenging ecosystem that there are, you know, extremely, uh, you know, fantastic opportunity there. Um, so I think that, uh, you know, from I, I give a, f- a few examples of of companies that I think that are, so to speak, symbolizing not necessarily your pure, you know, autonomous type of technologies or sensor technologies, but more uh, what you think about the infrastructure. So I think I. Mentioned one of them is, is Fortelix for the pure autonomous challenge. There's another interesting company that uh, basically touches is touching the smart city infrastructure in a way that kind of leveraging the low techiness to a certain degree. For example, uh, the whole issue of lights, green lights in the city. Okay, what you have is basically a situation by which most of the cities in the states, like the vast majority, are really really don't have the technology to basically have smart city infrastructure, the, you know, in terms of the green light, the green light corridors, understanding how to prioritize for public, public transportation or emergency service or even for safety reasons. So we have a company called Not Traffic that is has seen tremendous demand in U.S. cities from, you know, from Arizona to California, Florida, basically uh, in Ohio as well, for cities that really want to become smart cities, but in a very small budget and, you know, in a very light way. So all the issue of infrastructure, communication, jumping all over that, I mean, mm-hmm. leaping that, 
into a capability to really run a smart city with a very low budget uh, in a very effective way. So, and that's, by the way, a gateway for data into the cars as well. Okay. So we have discussion between our traffic and potential uh, partners in the, in the OEM world, how they are closing the cycle okay, of understanding, predicting the uh, car behavior or, uh, or the car or the fleet behavior based on uh, tan or in tandem of what the city wants to do in terms of priorities. So I think over there, we have a very interesting experiment that's actually driven from the city side towards the OEM side. Okay? That's one interesting example called, for a company called No Traffic. Another example is for another data-driven company. It's called Mdigo. What Mdigo is doing is basically uh, relying on data that comes from the car in the time of accident. So let's say you have a fleet of cars across a city or across an area, and when the car, a single car has an accident, the accelerometers of the, from the car are transmitting the data in real time to some cloud and the calculator, and this cloud calculator has managed to um, accurately understand what the accident was based on the data it, uh, or restructure the accident, and then add to that some AI algorithms that are uh, transitioning from what the accident was to what happened to the passengers in real time, what type of injuries they have, what type of medical help they may need because of the severity of the injury, and so on and so forth. So why, when the EMS uh, uh, service arrives, it doesn't have to guess or to ask themselves what the situation of each passenger. Sometimes the passengers are dead dazed or unconscious, they immediately know what type of uh, treatment they need and they increase the chance of survivability and, uh, and they improve their health situation. And by the way, the whole this is two examples that just show how those interaction between the in-car, out-of-car type of communication goes. And the thing that is common to both of them and to others as well is the ability to do something with the data, okay? Both coming into the car, out of the car, structure it in a way that is beneficial to an entity that is outside of the car and kind of adding what this what startup can do best, adding some sorts of business model around that. that that's, that's food for thought, maybe for next time. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'd love to pick this up some other time. And speaking of data, actually two quick points. Speaking of data, I would imagine there's a massive market also insofar as reselling this data back to cities. I can imagine cities would just flip over this kind of data. It would be immensely useful. Uh, and when I say data, absolutely. I mean everything from onboard car sensors to road data picked up, say, by... I don't know, suspension components and so on and so forth. Um, just a quick aside, uh, when you were talking about no traffic, it reminded me, just totally FYI, uh, I'm actually well acquainted with the founder of a company called Through Green. It's a rather similar thing here in the US based, uh, actually, they were in DC. They may have moved to Silicon Valley finally. I don't know. But if you'd like, I'm certainly happy to make an intro. Maybe that makes sense. Of course. Um, well, look, uh, Tal, with respect for your time, I want to honor your 30 minute cutoff. So we should call it a wrap. Um, Thank, uh, thank you so much for, for joining me uh, all the way from Tel Aviv. It's been a real pleasure chatting with you. And, and seriously, especially given the abrupt cutoff of our conversation now, yeah, if you'd ever like to follow up in the future, just shoot me a note and let's otherwise keep in touch. Absolutely. Thank you very much. I really enjoyed that. Take care. My pleasure. Good evening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. If you'd like to learn more about Drive TLV, you can learn more at their website at drivetlv.com. That's D-R-I-V-E-T-L-V.com. And with that... That's a wrap for today. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful rest of the week. Please remain safe, keep well, and stay home. I'll see you back here on Friday. Thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye.